I'm going to ask that we all bow our heads in prayer. Just start rattling off all the bad things I've done until you get tired of hearing about them or what? I'm going to talk to you about the judge of the fatherless. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't mean to be so difficult, Mrs. Cleaver. It's just that he's at the age where he doesn't realize how important it is to keep a promise. Which Bible stories you want to hear? He's just a Sunday school. Thanks, Dad. Welcome to the Faith of the Fathers podcast, where we are reigniting the calling of men in the world. I am your host, Carl Gessler. No matter how commonplace divorce gets in our world, it doesn't become less devastating because it's common. I was recently hanging out with my friend Josh Saltzen, and he mentioned in passing, uh, he said a comment, something to the effect of, if my dad had only been there, I would not have done half of the stupid things I did as a teenager. And I thought, I want to hear more about that. Why is it so devastating when a father leaves the picture? We're going to hear Josh Schultz share his testimony and also about how, in spite of the brokenness of his home life, God is helping him put his own family together and give his children what he didn't have himself. This is a story of redemption, and I'm excited to share it with you today. Welcome back to the studio, Josh Saltz. Glad to have you. For the first time, though, on the podcast, now called The Faith of the Fathers. Well, thank you. Uh, Josh, so we're going to just just paint a picture of your life from where I sit. And I once was a painter, but I only painted houses, so I can't promise anything about this portrait. But mm-hmm. today, uh, you are the father of five kids. Uh, you have a successful business. And last night when I described it like that, I hesitated because successful business, I think people usually think of, you're very rich. <laughs> Which by successful business, I mean you're feeding your family, you're paying your bills, it, it, it's working, yeah. uh, and you're not in debt. Correct. Uh, and um, you you have a good marriage, um, you've been through Bible college, active in ministry here locally, um, from where I sit. You are a success story in the kingdom of God. Um, and the way I evaluate um, myself, as well as many other Christians, one of the strong, accurate measurements, I think, is the way our kids respond to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thus far, your kids are still just beginning to enter their teens. Uh, and thus far, I, I would say they're a success. Um, so... But your your story, you said to me the other day uh, that if your dad had just been there, you wouldn't have done half of the things that you did as sure. a kid. So I'd like to touch on these things, uh, you know, to say where did you come from, uh, and how did you get where you are, and where do you want to go from here? I think I, I grew up in a somewhat culturally culturally Christian home. My mom. Her parents, which lived in my grandparents, lived fairly close to where we lived, like within within walking distance. You know, I mean, it wasn't really really close, but it, you know, you could walk there. They went to church pretty regularly. Uh, granted, 
that same church, uh, I think, baptizes animals now or something, but Whoa. <laughs> or blesses them, or you know, they they're they're. Is they're, that because they ran out of people to baptize, or because <laughs> they all died out? Liberalism it's is just like easier yeah. to convert animals than humans. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, no, they were they were already the the church. I didn't know this when I was a kid, but I mean, the church was already you know on a on a fairly uh, leftist trajectory anyway as when i was a kid i didn't really recognize that but a slight apostate trajectory well my grandmother was an elder so if that tells you okay okay (laughs) um but yeah so they they went there and and it was a it was a fairly like cultural christianity it was an old church and it had a lot of older people and you know it was kind of the thing that people did you know kind of a holdover from maybe the 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 50s or whatever but uh <clears throat> anyway so i would go with i would go with my grandparents and my mom uh your dad didn't go to church no never never i would go with them not every sunday like we might go one one or maybe two sundays out of the month with them hmm. um but it- we live in the you know we live in the south so i mean i think as far as like christianity it wasn't like it was foreign because you know you always have friends that you know their families maybe went to church or you know it was real common for a lot of the little baptist churches they would have like these little busing programs that would bus Mm -hmm. people in and stuff so it wasn't like christianity was foreign it was just that it wasn't it wasn't like center stage but it was definitely like kind of in the background Mm -hmm. a little bit it was part of your landscape yeah Mm -hmm. yeah was it weird to you that your dad never went um, not so much. My dad, uh, he would often be there during the week. Um, weekends would be hit and miss. He would either be... Be there as in beware. Present, like okay. at home, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the evenings and such. But uh, during the weekends, it was hit and, mi- hit and miss. He would either be working, sometimes he would be at the bar or be like he was in the national guard so sometimes some weekends he was gone doing that and then you know so it was just the weekends were typically not so much like he might be there a little bit but not so much so it wasn't that big of a deal because we didn't really see didn't seem a ton on the weekends when i was a Mm -hmm. kid that i remember anyway your dad was uh in vietnam was he not correct yeah i'm sure that that plays a role in in his story, it would be interesting to hear hear his uh, journey and that. Sure. Uh, because that's, with all of our stories, it always goes back, it keeps going back further, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I tell people, like, uh, if you want to hear my family biography, at least on my dad's side, you could always read uh, Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. That's ah, pretty much it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so my dad was a native uh, here, um, uh, in Henderson County. And, um, you know, his, his family life was pretty complicated. I would say, you mm-hmm. know, he had a sister that was just a couple years older than him from a different father. Um, my grandmother did marry my, my grandfather, my dad's dad. Uh, but then because at that in that time period locally here there wasn't any real work it was very the economy was really bad they ended up moving um up to uh north 
uh, West Indiana, right outside of Chicago. And my grandfather worked in the steel mill. And, um, you know, it's kind of tough being a Southern boy in that area at mm. that time because you kind of stick out. You're not typical. And so uh, he grew up kind of uh, a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit rough there. And, uh, he grew up there until he was in his high school years. And then they ended up moving back down here. He was drafted, went to Vietnam, and uh, served in the uh, infantry unit there. And then shortly thereafter, married my mom. And not too long after that, I was born. So growing up, the, your dad had no identity with, with religion that you were aware of. Correct. Uh, and your, your, your mom went, so it was there in the background. Your, the community went. It was, the, it was part of the landscape. Did you think about God in your childhood? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I, I did. I actually did quite a bit. Um, what was your general image of God? Was he uh, a big man upstairs with a white beard? Was he scary? Was he loving? What What was your conception of him? Oh, that's that's an interesting question. I don't know. I think probably um, wasn't always something. He wasn't. I didn't really always think about God. It wasn't like I walked around day and night <clears throat> thinking about. Who, who is God, but I definitely, like, um, I remember as being a, a young kid, like, I think probably, like, I would say even in my own my own way, praying, uh, even though I, you know, didn't have, like, any kind of formal training in that kind of thing, and I, I don't know, I guess I thought of God as, um, I, I definitely felt like God was present, but I didn't really know who he was, I guess is what I would say. Let me ask you, that's an interesting way of putting it. Could you say roughly the same thing about your dad? Um, not necessarily. I think it would be a little different because my dad wasn't always... I would say that most of my childhood, he was not president. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But, but still, there's the similarity in that he is existed yeah he was a figure that was there mm-hmm. for sure but you didn't really know him either right that's true that's, that's true yeah, yeah. That's, that's true thing. so um i know that uh part of how you became a christian uh was by having the hell scared out of you mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in in a in a not through a sermon but through an experience mm-hmm. can you walk us into into getting to that place and and what that you know what that experience meant to you well i mean i think that's a long that's that's kind of a longer a longer story i don't have like a one like all oh, this this one event happens and oh you know i became a christian it wasn't exactly like that mm-hmm. um i think i always had relatively sensitive conscience i think i i do remember like being i think i think sensitive as far as right and wrong when I was young. Just saying that is that when I became a teenager, I, I kind of uh, went off the rails a bit. Like, I mean, I think for, uh, as, a, as, a, as a young boy, my dream was probably in my own way to, 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 I think probably emulate my dad. Like I wanted to be a soldier. I wanted to do this and that. And, um, that was like really my goal. And I think by the time I probably hit like 14 or 15, um, I don't know exactly what shifted. It was probably hormones, but I, uh, 
ended up just kind of going off the rails. You know, you're going into high school years and I just ended up hanging out with just those kids that are all of a sudden kids are like camping out on the weekends and like, oh, you know, some pot shows up or some whatever alcohol shows up. And it's like, you know, you just it's like an entry into that world. Right. When I'm probably like 15 or whatever. And and it just was kind of it just kind of snowballed, I I think, in some ways from there, Um, just as far as just my own rebellion. uh, I, I just checked out as far as you know, trying to please anybody, mm-hmm. I think. I, I think I just was, um, you know, just kind of went down that road. So let me go back to that statement that you made that where you said if my dad had been there, sure. I wouldn't have tried yep. half the things I did. Yep. Take us into that moment, then you're, you're hanging out with teenagers. that They're doing things, so you start doing things. How does your dad's absence or presence make a difference there? Well, when I was when I was nine, uh, my I think it was nine, something like that. When I was about nine, my parents got divorced, so you know he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't there a lot when he was there, and now it was like during the week when he was typically there, he was pretty much removed, and so I would see him every other week, hmm. weekend. Excuse me, not week, weekend. So that's. You know, a total of maybe four days out of the month or something like that. He was just that much more removed at that point. And um, I think, you know, that while I didn't have a great, I would say, uh, relationship with my dad as far as like an emotional relationship or anything like that, um, there was definitely like, you could call it respect or fear or whatever you want to call it. But like, there was definitely like a sense of like, reverence. yeah, like yeah. you just don't do certain things. Like, I don't care. Like there was just like, definitely like a wall. Like there's a line that I'm not going to cross <laughs> because I fear for my own life. You know, it's like, you don't do that. And, um, so I, I think when I said that, what I meant was that I think a lot of the thing, the stupid things that I did as a as a teenager, when I started hanging out with you know this kind of group of kids that were you know pretty pretty wild or whatever, um, I don't think that I would have even considered that. You know, I would have I would have not even really flirted with that honestly if my dad had just even just been present, just out of the sheer fact of like, you know, just if he catches me. I'm- yeah, it's over, right? Yeah, so you like you don't think you would have hung out with those friends at all, or you think you just wouldn't? No, I think it would have been totally like I, I think, I think it probably would have been like one word from my dad, and I probably would have just been like, oh, all right, you know. Um, I guess when I was probably sixteen-ish, getting into just different stuff, man. I mean, we got into the like, big thing was. Like LSD, that was that was big, and uh, so once you started getting into it, you your conscience just kind of, uh, or your uh, your fear of your dad just kind of melted away. Well, I there was a definite like I think a, a disconnect because at some point when I was fifteen or so, I just decided I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go to his house anymore. I was just kind of like, um, we were definitely different people at that point. Uh, we didn't have really much of anything in common, and I was just wanting to have a good time. I was just wanting to hang out with my friends. You know, I mean, that's what kids do. They want to hang out with their friends, and yeah, that was my social life, 
I it think. Was, it was your new family. We could yeah, you would say that would be a good way of probably putting it. If it was more of like a, a new family for me in some ways. I was out one evening and just did way too many drugs. And um, I ended up in the hospital. Like, I don't even remember how I got there. I remember I remember that was that was probably a, a pivotal night. Granted, I'm only 16. Um, but it did put the fear of God in me. It was a Friday night and we were just partying and stuff and, and, um, just doing a lot of LSD and just stuff like that. And it was just at, at one point it just kind of went off the, it went off the, the rails and, uh, and this is not, I don't think this is really uncommon. Like I think a lot of people have basically just hallucinating. And I was like, believe it, I was like going to hell. And I was like, I was like trapped and all this stuff in my mind. Right. You know, cause I'm, I'm on drugs or whatever. And, uh, I remember just coming out of that and just being like, Ooh, that was more than I expected. And, uh, it really kind of like, it kind of like shook me a little bit. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you kind of like wake up the next day and you're in the hospital and like, it's kind of, yeah, that'll just wake you up a little bit. And then of course my, uh, my mom and my dad are there too. I'm like, Oh goodness. No, I've, no, I've really blown it. And, uh, that lasted, you know, I straightened up for about a week. <laughs> did your dad, did your dad get mad at you? Oh yeah. 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 He was about ready to light me up. <laughs> That's interesting. but he couldn't because we were in a hospital so it was awesome <laughs> you said that you know like the the church that you grew up in wouldn't have put the the fear of hell no or the fear of god no. In no, no 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 but yet uh the the presence of your dad the the way he conducted and exercised his authority in your life there was a sense of this fear of god my fear of my dad translates into the fear of god it's some some sense, yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say that's right. So it lasted only a week, though. It lasted about a week, and I kind of drifted back to what I was doing before again. And uh, but I will say that, like, I think it it awakens um, may maybe more of a awareness of things not seen in in that moment. Like there was a tangible reality. I mean, granted, like drugs are drugs, and I understand like not everything people experience on drugs is real right but it did awaken me to like a, a reality that there is like there is an unseen I, I knew that like i just i really like i knew that you know i knew i was on drugs but i knew that i was also experiencing things that were not just drugs yeah right well i mean you know the fact that you that there's an addiction to drugs for and a draw to drugs for anybody is a testimony to things unseen because yeah. you're putting something into your body and having this experience no one else is having. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're not, we don't see it. We see right. the effect of it on your body, but we don't actually see it. I mean, you know, that it's it's not unscientific sure. to attribute some real meaning to that, right. that experience. Yeah, so that really just, I think, awakened something in me and... Um, not in a Christian sense, even necessarily, because um, I kind of—it's it's funny. I, I ended up—I I started taking guitar lessons when I was probably like fifteen, 
the guy who was teaching me at the time was kind of like this old hippie kind of guy. And, uh, I mean, really, like I would say he became sort of a father type figure now. And I mean, not a good father figure. I mean, like we're like smoking weed and stuff and talking about all kinds of craziness, but, um, he became sort of like a father type figure and he was very much like into a lot of like, you know, new agey type Mm. stuff like that. And, uh, so that began to be a big influence. And, um, so I dabbled in, in like, you know, just, I think reading and, and being interested in like what a lot of Eastern mysticism type stuff, you know, that like yoga, Tai Chi, different stuff like that. I found interesting and, um, I was, I was somewhat drawn to it. And so I would say, like, my later high school years, like, I was still, like, I think, like, the drug stuff was still part, but it was not as much. Uh, It started to wane a little bit and maybe moving more towards, like, trying to find truth or or God or whatever you want to say, kind of, like, in the New Age-ish type stuff, you know? Trying to find your identity. Yeah, trying to find that. And, um... At some point, that became a very evident that it was uh, there was a it was just bankrupt because you know you meet so many of these people, especially I think in the West because we have a very like tainted view of like Eastern religions. Like I think we we've kind of molded them to our own image. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I'm not so sure like things like Buddhism or whatever in America is the same thing as Buddhism in Thailand. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I saw a lot of like just hypocrisy. Like I'd see people that were really into it. And then you'd kind of see this other side of them. And it's like where they claim to be so spiritual and all this stuff. They were really just bankrupt. I just really saw it. And it was kind of disenchanting, disillusioning. And so I, I, I began to get just kind of fed up with all that. Ended up getting married. And right before we were, before I got married, I started reading the Bible again. Just, just picked it up and was like, felt like I'd kind of like explored other places and reading the Bible again. Did you have a habit of that? Well, not, not, I say reading the Bible again, but you know, as, as a kid, I remember there were Bibles around, you know, I remember having a Bible, I think when I was a kid, it did feel like kind of coming back to something, Mm -hmm. even though I don't know that I ever read the, I read bits and pieces of the Bible when I was a kid. I never read the Bible and, but I'm, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to go back to this and see what this is about. And so I began reading the Bible, and that was really where the Lord began to, um, you know, draw draw me there. What things stick out in your mind as you were reading the Bible as things that grabbed a hold of you, saying, hey, this is this might be what I'm looking for? That's a good question. You know, I don't know that it was necessarily something that stuck out particularly in as much as it was just like this overwhelming sense of like you've tried all this other stuff I mean I think like coming home is really what it felt like I don't really know how to explain that I mean it felt like this has always been here it wasn't the ideal situation for things or whatever there was always this presence of Christ I felt like no that's not you know I mean it's easy to feel like that particularly when you grow up in a in the in the 
kind of Christian South where you see a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy in Christianity too, you know? And it's like, I grew up with a lot of people that like, you know, on, on Friday and Saturday, it was one thing. And then on Sunday it was go to church. And it was like, I didn't really want that. You know, that, that was just seems so gross. And, um, but I always felt like, like for some reason, like there was Christ and it was like, somehow he was not, that was not the same thing. You know, this, the hypocrisy and who Christ was, was not the same thing. I wouldn't have necessarily put it that way, but I, you felt that way. I know. I, and I felt like once I kind of was like looking all these other places, it was like something was saying, why don't you just come back to where what's always been here? Because what's always been, you know, it's like, there's this, this constant presence that like, you're looking out here, but there's always this constant presence right here, you know, like right, 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 a little behind into the, to the back of you, you know, that you can just feel. And, um, and that's what it, I think that's what really drew me was like, what I was looking for was always there was I was looking elsewhere. I don't know that it was necessarily a story or a parable or a verse or whatever that drew me back. It wasn't really that it was just like this sense of like, no, you just need to come back. And I, I don't even know where I was coming back to because I don't know that I was necessarily what I would call a Christian as a kid, but just the sense of like coming back, coming back home, coming back uh, to the to, to truth. I, I don't know. I think St. Augustine was the one who said that Christianity is natural. And, mm. you know, there is a sense that even if you had never really been in, to come to Jesus is a coming home. Yeah, I mean, in the sense of like, yeah, I mean, we're created in we're created in God's image, and it's like we're not content until we are conformed to His image. We met you guys. I'm not sure how long you had been believers when we uh, first met you, but I know that in the time that we have known you, uh, that you guys, I think we came toward the end of a certain season of mm-hmm. your Christian faith uh, that I've seen a lot of other people in as well. Um, you guys were very conservative mm-hmm. looking when you gave your life to Jesus, which I don't know if you'd like to describe for us a conscious decision at, at some mm-hmm. point. I don't know what that was like, but uh, I can definitely see in your early walk, you was like, we want to be the real thing. Mm-hmm. With that, Can you share a little insight into that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I just wanted to have, uh, I wanted, I wanted it to be real. I didn't want want to say it, like what is it? I wanted to be real. I didn't want to be duplicitous. When I when we came to Christ I was twenty three and Yeah, we were married for like six months. Crazy story, but you know, we were having like these Bible studies and like smoking pot and Bible studies. (laughs) You know. Yeah, I wouldn't be the first ones, I guess, but uh, whatever. You know, I I think there was a there was a, a mistrust, a distrust of of what uh, we saw as the church at that time. Uh, probably from the way we grew up. Uh, my wife grew up in a real kind of uh, conservative, sort of fundamentalist type setting, much like me, just kind of put off by a lot of what we saw. And I, there was a lot of, we were very critical of, of the church. And because of that, our, our study of the scriptures was very independent as in the sense of on our own, 
it was like reading, like, I'm like, well, I'm going to read the whole Bible. I'm not going to read just the New Testament. Like all these people are like, talk about the Bible, this and the Bible, that. And then they only read the New Testament. And I'm like, well, don't tell me about the Bible. You're not even reading like two thirds of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I'm reading it and I'm like, well, why aren't, why don't people keep all these commandments? You know, the Jesus, the, that God, you know, gives and, and that Jesus seems to reaffirm. And, uh, and, uh, so we ended up, you know, like, kind of getting into this uh idea of like law keeping i guess for lack of better terms you know that we're gonna keep the sabbath and you know obviously it's like it's a whole lot easier to kind of keep some of the more outward things like oh we'll keep the sabbath like Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 and um you know obviously there's a lot of like self-righteousness and self-justification that comes with that but one of the things that did come with that is that um, being exposed, I think, to God's law also um, began to convict me of a lot of the sin that I had been uh, living in and um, recognizing that I did not have uh, peace with God. And so uh, what ended up following is... Uh, actually getting married was part of that because we were, I was living with my wife and, um, I began to kind of go through this process of like, well, if I do this, then like I will experience peace with God. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I knew like, I knew that my heart was not right before the Lord. Like I knew that, I don't know that I could have said it that way, but I knew it was the fact. And then, um, so I began to do different stuff like, okay, well, first things like obviously some of the real like easy things like keep the Sabbath, whatever. Well, you know, that doesn't work. Um, so I try to um, heal my own, heal my own soul, heal my own conscience by something else. And one of them was like, okay, we'll get married. So like, cause you know, obviously like living together and, and, and living in that fashion is, is sinful. So we ended up getting married. And, uh, you know, still, you know, it's, it's good for like a week or two. And then you're like, you realize, oh, my heart is still not right. And then it's like, okay. So the next thing's like getting baptized. Well, maybe I should get baptized. I've never been baptized. Maybe that's the ticket. You know, I'm just so ignorant. I don't really know anything. Um, and we ended up, uh, connecting with this guy. It's just a long story, but we were pursuing baptism. We weren't in a church context. I know that's just bizarre, but talking with this guy and he's like, well, you know, you uh, want to be baptized. Why have you not been baptized? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, I just was like, you know, it's like, I'm just, I just been like living in sin. And like, I don't really know, like all this, it's just like this stuff just started coming out. Like, about how I'd been living in sin and like, you know, really just trying to hold on to this stuff and not really, not fully committing my, my, my way to the Lord, not really fully surrendering my life, uh, to the Lordship of, of Christ. I wouldn't have said it that way, but that was in essence what I was getting at. And it was something in that moment that the Lord, there was like a a distinct shift that happened and it wasn't a sinner's prayer and it wasn't somebody asking me to pray to accept Jesus into my heart or anything like that it was just like there was just a just a, a shift and a and a resolve and a knowing that like 
something about in that confession, knowing that I had been received by God and that my sins had been forgiven. I didn't, I couldn't explain it, and, and there wasn't a formula for it. Um, but in that moment, things did change. I mean, things significantly changed. You know, we we did get baptized, but it was like I felt like there was a there was a change that occurred beforehand, and 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 it was in that moment, and and then after that, it was just like everything started changing. Like we actually went to the church for the first time that sun that next Sunday, and like we had never gone to a church before, and we just like literally life just began to change like there was no more you know smoking weed there was like it was like all this stuff was just falling off like left and right and I think that um, particularly for people like us who kind of come from a background that is not is not uh, highly regimented I guess you'd say or or disciplined or structured um, we craved like some sort of structure I think and I think that's where we ended up going maybe swinging a little bit on the other side of seeking a f- seeking form I think in the Christian life there's a real balance between informality or relationship or however you want to put it you know and I, I think because we had such a lack of discipline a lack of formality we kind of swung hard uh, in the in the realm of like structure in in a lot of ways and and I, and I don't I don't necessarily think that that was a bad thing for the time I wouldn't want to stay there but it wasn't a bad thing for the time yeah I've seen that uh, you know we go to a lot of teen challenges um, which are Christian rehab centers with uh, adult and teen challenge so a lot of them are men and they have to the regiment for most of them is pretty intense like mm-hmm. you have to get up early make your bed it's kind of like a boot camp mm-hmm. and uh it's not necessarily how you have to live forever and ever but you have to learn that discipline you have mm-hmm. to learn that structure so i i definitely can understand the um you know yeah it's a season and it was worth going through mm-hmm. for that um but at the same time i'm thankful that you're not that way today uh because it's easier for us to relate to you mm-hmm. um that way. Uh, so tell us about, I mean, um, I know your, your wife journeyed with you in that kind of fairly parallel, um, in timing and, and, uh, as far as her conversion, mm-hmm. uh, as well, but you guys now you're raising, uh, five kids, your kids like you, um, and, uh, seem to love the Lord. Walk us through that. How did you get to this? What, what are you trying to give to your kids? now that maybe you didn't have yourself? Um, well, I mean, I think that uh, just on the most basic level, like I'm just, I'm trying to give them an actual family. <laughs> That's, you know. That's huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, there's so many things. I mean, it's... I guess I don't I don't want to partition life off as if like you know well I want to I want to teach my kids these spiritual truths and then like these life skills over here is like mm-hmm. they're separate things. Mm-hmm. Uh for me I want them to know that um everything they have in life is uh is from from God 
and it's uh, to God and it's through God. And um, I guess what I, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the question is, but we very much just, I want to give them a lot of the things that I didn't have. And I think part of that is, um, and granted, I'm not, I'm not a 100% consistent Christian. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that anybody really is, but uh, that's the goal at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to give that to them, and I want I want to give them a consistent Christian upbringing, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to shy away with them from from difficult things, and I don't want to uh, not answer their questions, and I want to. I guess just be there for them, mm-hmm. you know, to a source of, of, of direction to, to point them in the right direction. I think that's the other thing is like, really, I think I see my life and I, I think a lot of like, I get really frustrated sometimes when I look around, I see other people like my age and I, I feel, and this is comparison and it's wrong, but sometimes I feel like they're succeeding in so many areas where I'm not. And uh, when I reflect on it, a lot of times the reason they're succeeding in so many of those areas is because they had somebody who pointed them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of my life, it's been kind of uh, a process of learning through failure. And, um, you know, I want for my kids to be able to at least like to put them in the right direction. I, I know that I can't necessarily tell them what to do, um, all, all of their life, but I can, uh, at least try to set them on a right course, mm-hmm. and and so that's my main thing is I want to set them on a right course. I mm-hmm. want to set them, I want to set them up for success. I can't make their decisions for them, but uh, I want to give them the right tools in their tool belt. You know, that's that's my that's my goal really. And what I would the way I would sum that up from what I'm hearing is you're giving them an identity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's the tool, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's that, uh, that's probably another. That could go to another subject, I think, maybe in some ways. But yeah, I mean, I think they. I want them to know who they are. I want them to know where they come from. I want them to know, you know, where they belong. Um, and that, like I said, I think really does tie into so much of the stuff that I never had growing up as as a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and and I want them not to be proud of it in the sense of like arrogant, but I do want them to be proud of who they are and not be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prou- proud of the goal, proud of the identity. Like this is the kind of people we are and that's a good thing. Right. Um, but I, you know, the reason I say, one of the reasons I say that you're a Christian success story in a real way is like, uh, and I know your dad, your dad's own journey uh, needs to be understood and appreciated. Um, and I know you do that. Um, and it would be interesting if I ever got to hear hear his story, but you did not have the example, but you're doing it. So let me say this. I didn't have the example, but neither did my dad. And right. in reality, neither did his dad. Right. I mean, because like I said, I wasn't joking. I mean, I'm, I'm really not joking when mm-hmm. I say like, if you want to hear my, my dad's family history, like read Hillbilly Elegy, because like literally that is, that is the kind of same yeah. story. Um, and it's not uncommon we gloss over passages in the scripture that talk about things like, you know, that the Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. And it's like, we just like, 
we say things like real glibly and don't think about it, but like reality, that's, and that's how he does it. Like he does it primarily through destroying people's families. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily do it through like demon possession. He does it through like, you know, destroying a family, destroying a home. Subtle ways, right. Yeah. And, uh, for me, like what, what success is, is like seeing that, that curse undone. Like, mm-hmm. and granted, I don't see it as like something that I, I'm doing, um, like through my own effort, but like, I really do believe like it's, it's the gift of God. And like, that is the, that is the, the power of, uh, you know, God's, God's covenant, you know, God made a covenant with Abraham and he took a, he took a solitary man and he made him a family. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would rephrase that personally. I would rephrase that as it's not your power, but it is your effort. It's something you intend well, it's you know intended it's, to do, and because of your intention, it's succeeding. I, 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 I it's it's the grace of God. It's mm. it's um, you know, it's it's God at work um, in in me and in my home, and uh, you know, does he does he use me and does he use my will as a means? Like, absolutely, but uh, I don't. I'm not the end of the day i'm not going to i'm not going to be able to necessarily stand up and say oh behold look what i have done right yeah, yeah. well it, that's a dangerous thing to to do at any time yeah uh but i i just want to commend you and also point this out because like for me to be a good dad to walk a christian walk is not uh it's not as impressive in a way and even you, you could even say this impressive on the in the Lord on the Lord's behalf, because I had an example, a great example. I had all the tools, you know. I lost my dad when I was twenty three, but I already knew who I was mm-hmm. at that point, and I knew, and I've only grown to know more how rich I was to inherit that. And yet, but my dad did not have the example that he provided for me. Mm-hmm. And that is a greater testimony to what Jesus can do in a life. Mm-hmm. And I see that in your life, that in spite of what you didn't have, you are becoming more than what you had been given. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just important because a lot of times, uh, you know, we're floundering around, we, we've become, we became Christians late, we are dads now, and we're still trying to figure this thing out, and we feel like, because of Satan, is the accuser. He's always going to tell us, you're not qualified, you don't have the tools, there's no way you can succeed. But the truth is, by the grace of God, it can be done. True. And so in that way, I say, you're definitely a success story. Well, praise the Lord. What is your, uh, what is your hope and ambition going forward as a father um, for your family? What What is kind of your uh, game plan, if you will, for success going forward going forward for for me from our family i think a couple pieces i think one is uh, at at this point and, and it's just something we're actually still in in kind of praying about in prayer about right now is uh just having a a solid place as far as uh church as a family mm-hmm. i think that community piece is so important um and it's tough to find right now it's it's been very difficult I think uh, the other piece is, you know, I want to give my I want to give my kids a solid uh, Christian education, which we're we're doing, working on that. I believe that that's 
um, part of discipleship. Uh, I want to see them join together their uh, their heart and their hands. I want them to uh, not have the the division that the world promotes between you know somehow there's like this in, their intellect and their spirituality or you know the, you know I, I think that as a Christian you know we're we're called to be a demonstration of both uh, heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. They know? always want to split heaven and earth apart yeah. so they can do what they want. <laughs> and I think that education is a great form in discipling your children and uh, how to live that out in a, in a real way. Um, so that's that's another piece. Um, and then I think the other aspect would just be that, you know, wanting to maintain a relationship with them and not not let them drift um mm. especially when they you know as they get a little older um i mean my kids are not i think me and my wife both can tend to have a bit of strong personalities at times and it comes out in our kids too and and sometimes when particularly the older ones uh, are being a little bit difficult it can be easy to you know disconnect and let them drift, and it's like I think the challenge is just to maintain a relationship with them, um, and, and being willing to I think fight for that. Those are my probably my big three. Your dad, do you have hope that the things that you have discovered, the identity that you have found in Jesus, can be given to him at this point in his life? Well, I mean, yeah, there's there there's there is always hope. Um, you know, it's it's tough. I don't really know. You know, at some at some point I don't really know what to say to him. You know, I don't know that I'm his evangelist. I would want to be, but at the same time, I I don't know that I am. I I don't know. I, I don't want to say that I won't be. But uh is there hope for him? Sure. I mean, you know, where there's, I think where there's life, there's hope and, um, you're never too old. Um, I think it definitely, the older people are, the more set in the ways they can be. But, uh, you know, I think that it's interesting. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, I think when you get older, you also sometimes soften up. And I think that in some ways that he has done that, um, you know, I, he's not a big complimenter, and I've, I've, he's definitely like, at least dropped some illusions as far as like, you know, compliments <laughs> toward, you know, toward, toward me and the way we're raising our kids. Which Do you mean is like great. things that he imagines are compliments that you have to read between the lines? A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so you know, it's such, it's always been such an awkward, um, awkward thing with him because it's like. He doesn't. He doesn't want to go personal. He doesn't want to go intimate mm. with people. So it's difficult to interpret sometimes. Yeah. Well, here's a an interesting thought, and uh, maybe we can close on this. But I, I, I believe that if your father, and may the Lord answer this prayer, if he were to give his life to Jesus today, you would become more of a father to him than he has been to you Mm -hmm. because it's you know in that identity in jesus we are moved into who we were made to be so much faster i mean that's who we were made to be when we're conformed to his image so he would actually be learning from you at this point which i i hope to see that would be a beautiful thing yeah yeah
The most fundamental question that every human being is asking is, who am I? And the good news for parents is that the answer to that question is baked in to the existence of their child. When their child is born, they are asking the question, who am I? And they, the first thing the child sees is the face, usually, the face of his or her mother. And then they meet the father. And even before that, in a healthy home, they would have heard the voice of their parents um, even before this moment of entering into the world. It's built in, it's baked into the system that you're halfway to the goal just by existing in your child's life because the goal is to give them an identity. But most of us struggle with giving our kids an identity because we still haven't found our identity. We're still struggling to know that we have value, to know that we are accepted, that we are loved. And I just want to encourage you today, I find that in ministering, and I have been doing uh, different forms of ministry for over 20 years, and I'm just now discovering in a way that I have not um, maybe witnessed before, the simple truth that God loves you is the most profound truth you'll ever hear. And it comes down to this, how, how do you, what do you mean, you know, everyone, we can struggle with this idea, God loves me. It comes down to this. You didn't choose to exist. There was no point in your life that someone asked you uh, or asked a room of souls, does anyone in this room want to exist? And you raised your hand and said, oh, I do. It didn't work like that. You existed bef- before you even knew you existed. At some point you had consciousness, but it was never a choice to exist. The reason you exist is because God chose for you to exist. God wanted you to exist. You are his idea, his creation, and he has good ideas. He does not regret the thing he makes. He doesn't make junk. Jesus loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he made you in his image. He loves you because you are his son or you are his daughter, if you're a woman listening to this. It's been scientifically proven through statistics that divorce begets divorce. Many times, divorce happens because the parents are still trying to figure out who they are. They're easily offended. They feel threatened because they haven't found security in their own identity. And so I encourage you today, if that's you, accept the love of God. Believe the love of God. Believe that He thought you are a good idea that he created you, and he loves you just because he loves you. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to make a certain amount of money to be lovable. You don't have to have a certain level of success in the world to be lovable. You don't have to have uh, respect even from other human beings to be lovable. You are lovable because God put value on you. And if you can embrace that, you can now give an identity to your children. You won't feel like you have to run away every time you feel threatened by something because your security will increase by God's love. And so I just encourage you today to know who you are and to embrace the identity that God has given you. You can't give anything to your kids that you don't have yourself. You can't give to other people what you don't have yourself. We are made to be order bringers. We are made to be 
agents of God's new creation and healing in the world. And we can't be those things until we've been healed ourselves. But know this and be encouraged by this, that half the battle for the heart of your child is to be present in their life. So slow down, receive the love of God, be present in His presence so that you can be present in the life of your child. I hope today's testimony from Josh encouraged you. If it did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can visit us on our website, carlgessler.com, click on the contact button, and leave a message. Or you can join our Telegram page, The Faith of the Fathers, uh, which the links to these things are, as always, in the show notes. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast so other people can find it. And I look forward to being with you again next week. We're going to continue to have interviews uh, and testimony as we move forward, but we're also going to be looking into the heroes of the faith to look for examples. Um, If our Father didn't present to us a good example of what it means to be a man of faith, there are plenty of fathers of the faith to look to. We'll also be looking at questions of theology, because God is our Father, but still, if our image of God is not correct, that idea may even be threatening. And if if our experience of being fathered has been a negative one, has been an abusive one, it's hard not to attribute your experience to God the Father. That's why the study of the scriptures and theology is so important, because theology is a study of God of who God is. And we need to replace who God who we think God is with who He really is. That is kind of the work of sanctification and the journey of knowing Jesus. So Stick with us as for the weeks ahead. We've got some exciting interviews coming up and some important conversations to be had about who Jesus is. Because when I know who Jesus is, I will know who I am. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.